10 minutes past 2 o'clock and you're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, chewing, it's food-related, isn't it? And we've got the one and the only, Andrew Dambina, joining us. Hello, Andrew. How are Hello, you doing? Uh, hello there. Yes, I'm good, thanks. I'm uh, I'm chewing, chomping, or whatever else at the bit to uh, to talk to you about food and drink today. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Um, what are you chewing on at the moment? Are you are you actually currently having your lunch or have <laughs> no, you had I was your just lunch? Carrying on with oh. your, I'm oh. just carrying on with your chew as in Tuesday thing. You know, oh, just sure, sort of. Sure, yeah, sure. I was just I was just bouncing for off that comment. I've... I thought of you over the weekend because over the weekend I went to, um, well, I, I can't really say where I went exactly because I would be sort okay. of promoting, but I, I went to a vegetarian mm-hmm. restaurant. Um, it, it's a bit of a chain. Um, they, they sell various, uh, sort of, um, Omni products. I've said too much. Oh, yeah. I've said too much already. Um, no, no, and, no. And it was really, it was really, really delicious. We had a full. Um, well, the laxa was was a bit, uh, but never mind. Um, but it was really interesting to to really have, say, mm. the, the chicken nuggets or the fish and chips and everything. Right. And I wasn't really able to tell um, the difference. Oh. It's so advanced well, now, or, or maybe because I sort of oh, lathered yeah. it up in sauce. But I was the texture was very mm. chickeny. That's that's the thing um, with sauce. But you mentioned texture, though. Yeah, they've come along leaps and bounds. The uh, the the bean-based or plant-based uh, meat substitutes from the main few big brands that we have mentioned now and then over the years, um, they really just improve all the time. It's there's um, it, it's interesting. In fact, one thing I won't be talking about as a feature, but I just came across this morning. Um, for today's segments in the program is, is uh, that in America there's a bit of a movement by some burger chains, whether whether you know vegan or vegetarian or simply serving meat but wanting to have good vegetarian and vegan options to uh, to use real they're, they're calling for real plants to be used in burgers rather than the processed ones that we've spoken about too yeah. that you can buy and. Yeah, and, the, and your chicken nuggets um, will want Faux again, chicken nuggets, I, I, yeah. Because it made yeah. me wonder, because I was like, oh, I'm eating plant-based food, oh, it's so mm. healthy. But as I, mm. uh, after the meal, I just thought, you know what, it was still deep-fried, and it's still mm. processed food, and I wonder yeah. um, just exactly yeah. how, how, you know, quote-unquote healthy I was really being. I don't know, for our listeners, right. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, plant-based mm, all sounds very good and sounds mm. very healthy. You're having veggie, but then is it, you know, it's still processed food. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that, uh, that, that there's, uh, one on the one hand, there's the moral aspect of, of not yes. doing damage to, not of either not well, ending not a life. not killing an animal. Yeah, to, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's that. There's also that, um, you know, obviously that cattle, if it's a faux red meat, particularly beef, uh, there's a lot of environmental damage associated with the rearing of, uh, of beef cattle. But, um, but, but also, yeah, the process, they're, they're meant to be quite high in salt content. That's one thing. And there are other uh, oh, additive yeah. views, of course. I think but, so. Yeah, but but it's um, yeah, I think it's like um, uh, and things are always on a rotation because in uh, years gone by, I remember when butter was an evil for a while, and now it's preferred over margarine. It's you know by by nutritionists um, and those who talk about you know the the pros and cons of one thing over another. It's it's always in mostly always in flux. I think.
So probably after some some years, there'll be some conclusion reached on whether these formative years of really uh, high volume uh, made uh, faux meats by by the big brands are as good as they say they are. I think that's going to take some years for, for effects to be monitored properly. So till then, you know, just keep a balanced diet, I reckon. <laughs> you <laughs> have right. <laughs> yeah, what a conclusion. Right. Yeah. So what have you got for our listeners this afternoon? Well, indeed. Starting locally um, with something that may be months away, but I think I've mentioned this in, uh, in previous years. Uh, September the 10th will be Mid-Autumn Festival. But for... Um, for promotion in retail places and certainly in the media who receive press releases on food and drink, the mooncake sort of um, inventions for the coming Mid-Autumn Festival uh, are also very much being, you know, landing in the inbox for the last sort of two or three weeks. So there's, um, there's, there's a lot of attempts always, and we've talked about this for many a year, uh, in grabbing attention, um, not, I mean, some of it you can say that cynically, that it's all, you know, and it is to a certain extent, of course, about sales and doing things differently for bakeries or different outlets to try to grab the consumer attention. On the other hand, it sometimes does seem a bit playful. Maybe I'm being naive. It's all commercial, isn't it? But but, it's, but sometimes it does seem interesting and a bit playful. So here's one that that, that caught my attention which is from, uh, it's from the Conrad Hotel. And they are working with a local gin distillery, which we've spoken about briefly a long time ago, called Two Moons, who, were, who was one of the few producers of spirits in Hong Kong, small-scale stuff. And they're making a gin-laced mooncake with the salty egg sort of uh, custard cream, which, which, which lots of places have been doing for many years now. That was something, in fact, that the peninsula really um, was the first to do on a, on a sort of um, upper-tier level. But putting gin in the mix is kind of interesting. And they are using one of their gins, which has in, a, a kind of citric infusion of calamansi um, uh, citric fruit in there. And so it gives it a slightly lighter edge. I haven't tried this, but it's just something that I, that I read about that's been announced among the many that have been announced. So that sounds pretty interesting. I, uh, I just thought um, I like the way that they've used a Hong Kong um, gin producer to do that. And they've obviously gone through a bit of different uh, experimentation because it's not only one with the creamed egg yolk, but there's also a second one with red bean paste with mandarin peels and egg yolk. So it really, that really, the mandarin peel gets another kind of, um, you know, an echo of the calamansi gin. So that's, that's all very interesting. And is, so, can, can you remind us what calamansi is? Is it, isn't that um, a thing um, in, in shots? Like a little uh, uh, citrus fruit thing? It is, it, it is a citrus fruit. It, it's not something that is eaten as a, uh, it's like, I mean, it's pretty much a lime. So it's a, um, it's the kind of round ones that you see. Uh, it, it, it's in the shape of a lime, but it's, uh, oh, but it's got yes. orange flesh. Yes, yes. So okay. it's not something, it's not a very common fruit. And I don't really know why it was chosen. I, I would have gone, if I was producing a gin, I would go kumquat or 
um, you know, it, 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 which is which has grown all year round uh, and more of a Hong Kong thing. But um, it's more of a Southeast Asian flavour, and it's uh, uh, it's just something that they've chosen to lift it up. It's a bit it's a bit like a slightly more. I mean, it's a more orange fleshed version of yuzu in flavour. It's kind of uh, it's not really really sour like a kumquat is. Um, so it's a bit sweeter. But it's oh. not as sweet as a satsuma or a mandarin orange. Okay. But it's not something that's... I mean, perhaps there are trees that grow it in the New Territories in Hong Kong. I've never seen it growing in Hong Kong, though, myself. But, uh, but I think it would be able, you'd be able to grow it, I would imagine, as, uh, as we can grow other citric uh, fruits here. So, okay. that's, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. They might have chosen it because they thought it reacted nicely with the... Um, with the dried mandarin peel, which is a very, obviously, a very traditional ingredient and herbal medicine TCM uh, in- ingredient that is used in Hong Kong. Maybe they thought uh, that using another citric fruit would be interesting. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But if you had to choose, Noreen, um, uh, some flavourings, if you could make up, if you had a free hand, you could walk into some... Lychee. Lychee. Okay, for a mooncake. Lychee... Oh. What did you sorry? Do you mean for gin? <laughs> yeah, for gin. Yeah. Ah, okay. Light you. Yeah, that would probably be quite nice, especially as it's so boiling hot at the moment. That sounds quite refreshing. So, so with with plenty of but mooncake. I think pumpkin mooncake would be quite nice. Yeah, I like the idea of that. Yeah. I've not had I've not had a mixture of pumpkin and egg before. But, but um, uh, if you were going to go for any of the egg custards or um, or anything like that. Um, I uh, I have tried whiskey laced um, oh. mooncakes before, but I've, I've had two different versions. One was pastry casing, like the traditional mooncake, but it had a kind of a, chocol- a chocolate um, uh, mixture that you'd get in some nice handmade chocolates uh, that was laced with whiskey. Um, and I also had coffee flavoured mooncake. Which was not in pastry, but had a chocolate casing. You know, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of companies are producing things that don't contain any of the original ingredients whatsoever, but are made in mooncake shape. So you get a lot of chocolate. Like ones. ice cream, yeah, yeah ice cream mooncake. It's, it's just well. an ice cream. Yeah. It's not a mooncake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I've got to say, my son, when he was growing up, um, and still now, his favourites are the. Um, well, I'm trying not to say the brown, but are the ones with the glutinous uh, flour. Outside, but the oh, chill, yes, the icy, the snowy. You know, the oh, I've said we've snowy, said rather, too much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, but it's uh, but but I I always really didn't like those because I thought they were much too sweet. But some there are different brands that are doing this style of mooncake now. Uh, over the last few years, I've been I've noticed more players in the market who are doing this, and some of them have made them a little less sweet, and they also are quite refreshing because you know I don't know how the rest of this. Summer, how long this uh, very high temperature is going to go on for? But usually September is still pretty warm, isn't it? Hot. So yeah, so... It'll melt. I got to say, the worst one I tried, Andrew, was it you who 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 brought it into the studio one mm. time? Was we it? We did some tastings. Earl Grey flavor. Yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't <laughs> like that. I actually quite liked it. Oh. That was. Just for yeah. our listeners, Andrew Demina bought an Earl Grey flavored mooncakes. Mm. It, yeah. It's you know, if if I wanted Lotus Earl Grey, paste. I would have had a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, it was very the 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 the, this, the the taste of that tea and the fragrance of the Earl Grey was pretty strong. I'll say maybe it was a little bit too strong. It was lotus paste with um, with Earl Grey tea kind of infused, 
But, uh, yeah, you weren't very fond of that, were you? I seem to remember. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't done one of those for a while, Noreen. We did, we did those uh, at least two or three times, those tastings. That'll be good. Yeah, um, fun. In, in keeping with, uh, with the creaminess of, uh, of what, what used to be my favourite when they first came out, but they've been out for so long now, those custard cream type of uh, ones that, uh, that are pretty much the norm for a lot of places, or one option anyway, I think that would be nice to mix it with do you, did you ever have the European um, quite mild alcoholic drink, Advocar? Did you ever have that? Which is, it's, it's exactly the same colour as the... The egg yolk creamy. one, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit like eggnog in a way, but it's in a bottle. Um, and it's, uh, it's a little bit sweet. It's got a touch of brandy in it. And it's, uh, I think that that would go really well because it would be quite a subtle thing. If you had that mix of the egg with a creamy um, body as well, to put that in there would be good. And also, in the same vein, I think I'd like to try one that does the same thing, but instead of avocado, Bailey's, oh. which would be, you know, the, the, the uh, yeah, the, uh, the coffee cream liqueur. I think that might be interesting as well. Just a thought. Just a thought for those mooncake producers. Um, <laughs> well, moving, moving on. A subject, um, a subject close to your heart, Noreen, uh, not to your dear young children, but um, a report was just in uh, Japan Times on food companies who are accelerating a move away from plastic packaging. I say that because I know you're very, you know, sort of quite uh, interested in things that aren't environmentally damaging. Exactly. Um, yeah. So um, it seems that money, interestingly, saving money, is behind some of the new green drives that are happening in Japan concerning plastic packaging, which is, you know, it's famous over there for traditionally years ago using rather too much of the stuff. Um, but it's amidst the rising costs of goods, including crude oil, because of the Russia-Ukraine situation, um, you know, the oil prices have gone up. That's the, um, you know, that's the source product for making plastic. So it's actually taken a mixture of consumer consciousness, which is a thing in the younger generations of Japanese, but also the cost for manufacturers in having a, an over-the-top amount of plastic in their packaging. And, and the one picture that I've sent Noreen today, listeners, is, um, is the rather cryptic change of packaging from one Japanese sausage maker who used to have a really unnecessary amount of plastic at the top of their packaging. It's a bit like if you buy a Hong Kong-sized loaf of bread, you know, one of those loaves that are considered normal with eight slices over here, and um, that has a bit too much at the top that looks a bit like a, um, not a flower, but it's, um, but it's almost, um, you know, uh, I don't know, a folded, a folded bit with a, with, a, with a drawstring or some kind of tie-up around it. So they're snipping off the the top part, which uh, it's a bit like a, uh, you could call it a top knot, if you like, on the top of a head. And they've cut, they've cut that off, and they are now going for just wrapped packages like we would see mostly on supermarket shelves. So that, that explains the picture that I, that I sent you there, Noreen, a bit earlier on. Um, I'm so sorry. I thought, um, when I was talking about it at the beginning of the program, I thought you'd sent me a picture of sausages. But yes, I did say sausages yeah. or bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, it is. It is sausages, indeed. It's one of um, Tokyo's oldest uh, sausage-making companies that was the leader in a revolution of not using too much plastic in 
sausage packaging, which is taking the country by storm at the moment. It was reported in the, in the Japan Times this week. Um, so, and it, and mostly the led by, by the. Storm. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, it, it was tested on consumers for some time earlier this year. They would get people in just doing, doing uh, some market research, basically. And, then, and a lot of people said, oh, no, I don't, it just doesn't look attractive. I won't be tempted to pick that off the shelf without the lovely um, fan-like top of the package, which is all there just for decoration, which is what uh, a lot of Japanese packaging traditionally was about. So it's, um, it's a good thing that that's going. And I don't, other, other sausage makers, since this has happened, have followed suit. So the three biggest uh, uh, producers of sausages in Japan are now doing this. Um, they're following the lead. So that's a good thing. Uh, I will move on to the next, to the next topic. We yeah, heard we'll this have in three RTHK. minutes left. Yeah, yes. sure, sure. In, in, in RTHK News, I know it's been mentioned today, which is a coincidence, um, but we spoke last week at the, at the G20 summit, which was in mid-July, addressing the world food crisis um, due to grain stores being trapped, you know, as a, res- a result of the Russia-Ukraine war. And um, it was um, uh, it, it, four days ago, it's been agreed that there will be a de facto ceasefire on cargo ships that will collect millions of tonnes of grain from Ukrainian ports, various ports in the Ukraine. And um, a signing ceremony was done on Friday, just before the weekend, in Istanbul, who's acting as a kind of mediator. Um, so the, uh, the UN Secretary-General, Antonio uh, Guterres, hailed this as a great uh, sort of sign of hope in the Black Sea, that they're cooperating together, these two countries, to do this. So that's really good. And it's, it's Turkey who's going to be uh, uh, overseeing um, the, the actual operations between Russia and the Ukraine. It, 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 operations in that there are military ships mm. around that they get proper passages through to get out to the parts of the world um, which really needs it. And a lot of this, as I've mentioned before, is, uh, is, is in the Middle East, where they are desperate for, um, for grain, for some of their staples. <sighs> so I know we've still got a couple of minutes left, yes. which is why I kept that one short. Lastly, um, there has been a, um, some research done by the Lancet Medical Publication in the, based in the UK, but they, they have officers and writers and researchers all around the world uh, about the minute amount of alcohol that is um, that is really a sensible amount for people under 40 to be drinking. And it's a lot less than we originally thought, according to The Lancet, who published this last oh, just a week and a half ago. Um, so for, for people who are between 15 and 39, um, there are a lot of health risks, they, they now say, um, over having more than one drink a day in a smaller quantity than we thought before of between 15 and 50 millilitres um, uh, of wine um, or um, a, a similar amount of, uh, of, of beer as well, which is about one-tenth of a standard drink, so a lot less than we previously thought. And on that note, I've probably come close to when you want to finish, Noreen. Yeah, wow. I'm going to have to read up about it and yeah. advise my friends. I mean, I'm not much of a drinker, but it's good to know. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's good to know, yet, yet um, not good to know if you like <laughs> more than 
half of it, half or a quarter of a glass of something that you used to enjoy a couple of glasses of, I suppose. Yeah, or have alcohol-free drinks. You know, they're, they're, they're even better. Oh, they are laced with sugar. Ah, let's stick to water. Mm. Well, on this note, Andrew, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I look forward to uh, more chats with you later on. Thank you very much indeed. Sure. Bye for Thanks, now. Thanks, Bye.